Hey, children of God, good to see you this morning. Y'all out there? All right, good. Yeah, I just want to reiterate two things David talked about. One is uh, the shower for Anthony and Emma. I love it, David. He's been here eight years, but for the last couple of years, he's, done, he's been really important. Uh, and so anyway, we, we're glad for Emma and Anthony. We're pumped that the Lord is expanding their family. And I uh, want you to be supportive today between 3 and 5. Is that right? Is that right, Emma? Okay. All right. Good. Um, also, without walls, if you've got a card, hold it up. Seriously, if you would. All right, here's my question. First of all, if you don't have one, why not? Get one today on your way out, okay? And I want you to put a name with, with this. Who is it that God has laid upon your heart just simply to put in front of them this card and say, hey, come casually, it's outdoor, um, I'll meet you, I'll pick you up, whatever, but this is a great opportunity in a non-threatening way to simply get people connected that's really the message of without walls is we're saying we're going beyond the walls. And so if there's somebody that you know, and let me tell you, you know a lot of folks that do not have a church home. You know far more folks, believe me, than I do that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Take this opportunity. In fact, what I want you to do is take this home and pray about a name that is designated for this card. Okay? Seriously, it's going to be awesome. Well, we continue with our series related to things unseen. Unseen things. And we're going to take a snapshot of Jesus on his way to the cross. And I'm going to, uh, to read the scripture. And for right now, I'm just going to ask you to stand up. Will you stand up? Because I know that we all had to give up one hour of sleep, right? I mean, I love the fall because you get it added back into your life. But in the spring, woo, it, it takes a little bit out of you, a little bit of the edge. And so uh, let's stand and kind of be alert and listen to Luke chapter 22, verses 39 through 46 as Jesus offers a prayer Jesus came out and went as was his custom to the Mount of Olives and the disciples followed him and he when he reached the place he said to them pray that you may not come into a time of trial or another version says temptations or temptation then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw knelt down and prayed. Now, this is a very important prayer as Jesus is headed to the cross. Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and gave him strength. And in his anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat began, became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. And when he got up from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping 
because of grief. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Get up. Pray that you may not come into a time of trial or temptation. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you faced off with suffering. And our recognition today is there are many among us that have real anguish, agony, suffering. We live in a fallen world, and we have brokenness that is a part of our lives. And so we ask that all that you went through and all that you overcame would give us strength. So, Lord, we come honestly and vulnerably before you, and we thank you for what you did for our lives. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Well, what's your prayer been like? What is the prayer that you have offered unto the Lord? Maybe it's, it's a prayer that had with it gratitude and praise. Like Mary, the mother of Joseph. I mean, Mary, the mother of Jesus, married to Joseph. Uh, maybe you prayed that prayer. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Maybe it was a moment of, of ecstasy and enthusiasm, and you said, God, I want to thank you for what you've done for me. Or or maybe it's a a prayer like David. A prayer like David. Now, he had all kinds of prayers, but one was a very penitent heart prayer. One was one for mercy. He said this, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. And do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. And so he was was honest. And he looked at himself, and he put himself before the Lord in a prayer. So maybe your prayer has been one of praise, or or maybe it's been one of penitence, or, or maybe it's been one of bitterness. Jeremiah lays it out there. He was the weeping prophet. And he says this to the Lord. Listen to this prayer. You deceived me, Lord. I was deceived, and you overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long, and everyone mocks me. Maybe you kind of feel that resentment when you pray. Have you ever prayed with your teeth clenched? Because I I really believe that's the kind of prayer that Jesus was praying when he said, Father, if you could just take this cup from me, if you could just take it, I want to be rid of it and the hurt 
that I experience now and I know I'm going to experience. Well, we've been in this series entitled Things Unseen, Unseen Things, and, and we've really covered a wide gamut, a spectrum of recognizing that there's more to, to life than what we see, that there are intangibles in a world of tangibles, that, that God is an unseen presence in our lives, and, and there is something powerful that happens when we praise God, when we offer our worship unto God. Scripture promises, Jesus promises, that where two or more are gathered in my name, something significant will happen in the unseen. There is a collective effervescence that occurs with the people of God when they gather and they offer their praise. God inhabits their praise in a very special way. Our praise when we offer it together. And yet, He inhabits our praise when we offer our prayer to Him, realizing that there is a force at work, an unseen one, that would love to destroy that which is most important to God and to you and me. An evil one. All you have to do is turn on the news and you see him at work. An unseen, different kind of presence. But greater is the one who is within me than the one that is in the world. And so today we come... And there's something that happens when we approach God honestly. There can be a resolution in our hearts and in our minds when we come honestly. And that's what Jesus did. Here is Jesus, and he's outside of Jerusalem. He goes, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and he goes to this place called the Oil Press or Gethsemane, and it's a very dark place. And it's interesting because he was at a very dark place in his journey, and he's struggling, and the disciples are struggling. In fact, they're straggling behind, and he says, look, you're, you're going to be facing temptation." Pray against it. Pray against the trials. Take time to pray. Why did he say that? Because he knew exactly what he was going to be confronted with as the Son of Man. His own temptation, his own trials were confronting him. And in that moment of agony, he, he, he kneels down and such agony, the Scripture is so descriptive that his perspiration was likened to blood. That he had already started shedding his blood in the garden that would eventually be shed on the cross. And he, he prays an honest prayer. 
Lord, if you would just take this cup from me. I mean, Jesus would have loved it if he had been at a different time in history and had to do it a different way. I know it must have been that way for him in his mind. Lord, could I come back when crucifixions aren't so popular? Could I come back when maybe my race would not turn on me? Could I come back at a time where where the religious leaders in my lineage would not mock me? Is there a time when I could come when all of humanity would not despise me? He said, is there any way we could wait on this? I, I knew I had to come. Is there another way? Have you ever prayed that? Lord, is there another way? Could you take this cup? It's a bitter cup. We ought to take comfort in that. That we have prayed that prayer. And Jesus knows exactly how we feel. And he knew what he would anticipate. He had the Sanhedrin before him that rejected him. He had the crown of thorns and the piercing of his side with a spear. He had the humility of a Roman cross and the sting of death as he enveloped all of our sin. He who knew no sin became our sin. And it passed through him. And it created an atonement. He would be the lamb that was worthy. He would be the offering that was sufficient for you and me to be free from the bondage of sin. And he encapsulated all of that brokenness. And in that moment, Jesus models for us how we can come and the unseen, a living God, meets us right where we are. And the first thing he did was he knew that he could come to God with anything. We can come to God with anything. And we can be honest with God about anything. Father, remove this cup from me. He knows our heart. He knows what we're dealing with. And he knows your cup of bitterness that you may be consuming even now. And so it is not wrong. Jesus helps us to understand it is not wrong to be honest with our feelings when we, when we go before the Lord. We can be absolutely vulnerable because in his raw humanity, he laid it all out there with his sweating of blood. In his extreme agony, he said, God, Father, I want to be honest. This is hard. Have you said that this week? Have you said that this week? This is hard. And so being honest with God is really an okay thing. But you know, it's more than being honest. There is an openness in one's relationship when there is an intimacy. You see, I... 
can be honest with my wife. And our relationship is based in Christ, and it's based on vows that were made early on. You know, we make vows, don't we, at a time where we need them the least. Think about that a minute. I mean, you're standing before each other, and you you got this gaze, and you're looking, and you're thinking, this is, this is awesome, this is great. You're the greatest. No, you're the greatest. And so we make vows to each other, but years later, that's when we got to call on those vows. And so we come with an honesty. And you know when we come with an honesty, if there's real love there, it'll be okay. But there's something else. There's another layer. It's not just about being honest. It's about being open. You see, when I went on a missions trip to Haiti, I got some good advice from some of the missionaries. They said, be honest, but you don't have to be open about everything. I mean, just speak the facts, tell them some of the things about why you're here, but you don't have to say everything about you. But you see, in a relationship with Jesus Christ, there is an honesty, and then there is an openness and a full disclosure. Because we would be foolish if we somehow think we're keeping something from God. He knows our hearts better than we know ourselves. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And so, are you honest with God? Because I want to say to you today, God can handle your vulnerability. He can handle your raw humanity and your brokenness because he entered into that. But you can also celebrate today. You can say anything. He will meet you anywhere. Maybe some today have felt as though you've moved through your Gethsemane or you're in the middle of it, or you're about to head into it. And you've prayed, Lord, take this cup from me. And that's an okay prayer. But he, he, he continues his prayer. He doesn't stop there. You know, if we stop there, we'll become bitter. Because if that cup does not go away it's easy to build resentment it's easy to harbor ill feelings toward God but he goes on and he says but ultimately not my will but yours be done he knew that the father was aware of what was best. And that was a courageous prayer because that prayer said, okay, I've asked you to remove that cup. If that cup is not removed, then God, I ask you to give me the courage to rise to the level in your strength to face off with the challenge. 
You see, I, I see that as even more of a bold prayer. To say, okay, God, if this is not... Think about Paul a minute. Three times he prayed that the thorn in his flesh would be removed. Some kind of infirmity. We don't know what it is, but it was a woundedness. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. We don't know. Relationally, we don't know what it was. But we do know that he prayed three times. There's my alarm. Wow! I didn't know it was on... Uh, that the volume was up. And... and I pray that you'll be removed. And so, and so he, he, uh, he prayed three times to be removed, that, that thorn be removed, and it was not. And it may be in our lives that we have to contend with whatever it is by God's permissive will, that which is in front of us. And so the miracle may not be that the cup is removed, but Christ does a great work in us. But not only does he do a great work in us, he draws near to us. Philip Yancey uh, said this. Let me find it real quick. He said, when I face trial, every hard thing we endure can put us in touch with our desire for God. Every trial can strengthen that desire until it becomes the all-consuming passion in our lives. C.S. Lewis said it well when he said this, that God whispers in our joy and shouts in our suffering. Let me say it again. He is fainter in some ways in our joy or when we're happy and when circumstances are good, but oh, how he reveals himself in our suffering. He enters into our suffering because he knows how to enter into our suffering because he entered into suffering through the cross. And so that is why, that is the beautiful thing in the unseen is that God can meet me at any time, in any way, and I can be vulnerable and honest. And in due time, the angels came in that garden, and what happened, do you remember? And he was given strength. He was given strength. There are those seasons in our lives where things really do seem unseen, and God really does seem invisible, but in due time, in His timing, according to His will, He will come and give us the strength we need. It says that He was strengthened in His spirit. Today it may be that you've got that cup in front of you. I have some good news for you. Christ has entered into that cup through the incarnation. And he, by his stripes, he has been wounded. And by his stripes, we are healed. And he was wounded for our iniquity. And because of him, 
we have been made whole. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your love and how really the crucible moment happened in that garden when you decided, when you decided for each of us, when you began to shed your blood for our eternal life, for our abundant life, and for us to be able to face off with anything in this life. And so we praise you, we honor you, and we give you thanks with our most honest prayer. Amen.